0: Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome to the Sick To You podcast. I am your host, Karina Parikh. I am a junior in high school from sunny San Diego, California. You are tuning in to the right place if you want to learn about mental health, wellness, and self care. My mission with the Sick To You podcast is to encourage and inspire others to live a healthy and fulfilling lifestyle. I bring on special guests for each episode to share their perspectives and tips for sticking to your own journey and appreciating your self-value and self-worth. Thank you so much for being here. And without further ado, let's dive into it. Hi, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. I am sorry I haven't released a podcast episode in a few weeks. I just had my second to last set of finals for my junior year of high school, so that was pretty stressful, but now I am finally on spring break. I can't wait to get back to releasing more content, and today is a very exciting interview. I was given the opportunity to interview Mr. Rob Carney, a holistic lifestyle coach from Boston, Massachusetts. He created Whole Health Connections, which strives to help others Connect the Dots to Wellness through his 10-week lifestyle transformation program and podcast. He focuses on six different pillars of wellness, thinking, nutrition, movement, sleep, hydration, and breathing. Today, we are going to be focusing on the topic of sleep because that is super important and it is oftentimes undervalued, especially amongst teenagers and college students. I can't wait to get started with this episode. So thank you so much, Rob, for joining me.
1: Well, thank you for having me here today it's an honor to uh share what I can and hopefully help some people out
0: yeah, of course. um so do you want to first get started by telling everyone more about yourself, your journey to discovering wellness, and why you wanted to enter the wellness space
1: absolutely so for me it's i'm twenty seven years old now, so when I was seventeen, I had a pretty bad concussion, which uh basically that was my big wake up call that I was at that point a state swimmer, a pretty big athlete and then All of a sudden, I went from being active all the time to going five months without being able to move, you know, really without getting headaches and all that type of stuff. So I was introduced to yoga, which led to meditation, psychology, nutrition, and just down the rabbit hole, I went and started studying with acupuncturists, massage therapists, you know, just anyone in the world of holistic health that would help me. And so, you know, really started studying that, working for interning with all these different practitioners. And then when my life really shifted was in 2017 when I went to Asia and spent about four months there and really was able to, you know, be in a completely different culture than my own and be, you know, the first time I'd really been a true minority. You know, it's not often that someone who's six foot one, white, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, I stood like a sore thumb in Sri Lanka where, you know, I was a foot taller than everyone, a lot of shades lighter than everyone. And so a lot of people were staring at me. You know, because I was so different and a lot of people were pointing, you know, calling me names, all this type of stuff, but it was more out of curiosity. And so it really gave me perspective of, you know, how other people are living. And so, you know, communicating there without a common language, it really allowed me to connect with people at a deeper level and really just notice the natural principles that they live by. So when I came back to the States, um, I ended up living in Los Angeles for about a year in uh, 2018, working with a startup company in the preventative wellness Um, devices so I learned from a lot of top doctors around the country Um, and then came back to Boston started 2000 uh, end of 2018 started Whole Health Connections and I've been basically since then doing the best I can to help people with holistic lifestyle coaching finding the best organic products in the market and you know just serving at the best level I can.
0: Yeah I think that's great I love how you like traveled abroad and that also like contributed to why you started Whole Health Connections Um, do you mind describing what whole health connections is as well as what what holistic lifestyle coaching is too
1: sure so whole whole health connections basically started as i said i was working with all these different practitioners i was you know i worked at a juice bar for a while and so i was pretty knowledgeable about food and i worked with a holistic nutritionist for about three years um so Basically, it started off as people were asking me questions, you know, what should I do for this? Where should I go for that? And it made me frustrated to see how difficult it was for people to find good quality products and how there's a lot of, you know, shady marketing and a lot of deception in there. So I was like, all right, I'm going to use my background to end up graduating with a degree in sustainable food and farming and recognizing how important the soil health is connected to our own human health. So essentially, I started diving into multiple different companies and finding the best products that I've found that can help people improve their health. And so basically came out of my frustration of how difficult it was to find these products and trying to make it as easy as I can for people. So essentially, that's kind of what it started with. And I have my, uh, my coaching I do and then my podcast as well. So those are kind of the three pillars are products, coaching and podcast.
0: Wow, that is so great. I love how your education as well as your own experience dealing with an injury, traveling abroad, and working in the food industry has played a role in why you wanted to become a holistic lifestyle coach. I was wondering, could you elaborate on what specifically holistic lifestyle coaching is?
1: Right. So holistic lifestyle coaching is kind of using many of the different pieces I learned from, you know, nutritionists, from, you know, psychologists, all these different fields. And rather than, you know, honing in on one aspect, recognizing that, health is a whole body approach. It's a whole mind, body, spirit. And that if we only focus on one, yeah, that can be you know, good for certain instances, but most people need a lifestyle change. Most people can lose weight, but they can't keep the weight off because they haven't changed their lifestyle. Yeah, they've changed the food, but they haven't changed their habits. So a lot of it is looking at people's habits, you know, their lifestyle choices. And like you said, in the beginning, it's focusing on the six foundation principles, which are moving, thinking, breathing, nutrition hydration and sleep and then overarching those six is stress because most of us are living in a stressed out world we're in that sympathetic fight or flight mode all the time so really it's looking to show people different lifestyle tools and basically giving people a toolbox so not saying meditation is the tool or nutrition is the tool it's like hey here's a lot of different tools and every day when you wake up open up your little toolbox and see what the best tool is for you that day
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Because I think that oftentimes we focus on like one aspect, but then don't consider the rest of them. So I think, yeah, I think that's great. And I was wondering, like, how did you choose those six um, pillars?
1: Yeah, so that was actually found by my mentor, Paul Check. So he's the founder of the Czech Institute, where I did my level one and two holistic lifestyle coach training. So it's something that I kind of, you know, I knew that all these things were important, but when he really broke it down into those six, I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> so so I can't take credit for that. I've just adopted that as uh, one of my mentors has given to me.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to focus on sleep for this episode. So I was wondering, why do you think sleep is important? I know it's like a very broad question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we can go down a lot of different rabbit holes with sleep, but I think first and foremost, I mean, if you think the average person needs about eight hours of sleep a night, you know, some people need six, seven, nine, 10, 12, depending on what age you are, you know, what type of lifestyle you're living. So to start out with, let's just say eight is the average. So if we're sleeping for about a third of our life, that's probably something that's very important. So if we can recognize that sleep is important, because most of us don't prioritize sleep, We say, you know, oh, sleep where I'm dead. Sleep is for the week, you know. I can do all these things. I'll drink caffeine and I don't need to sleep. So once we can recognize that sleep is actually one of the most important assets of life and when we're sleeping better, we're actually living better, once we can hold that perspective, now we say, all right, now why do I need to sleep? So to me, I view sleep as the most abundant and free medicine on the planet. And what I mean by that is that how many times have you been sick, or you've had an injury, then you go to sleep, you see for like eight, nine hours, you have a really great night sleep, then you wake up and you're all better. It's like, Whoa, how did I wake up and feel that much better? Because your body is doing so much repairing when we're sleeping. So at the most basic level is recognize that sleep is where our body resets, it restores and regenerates. So if we can set ourselves up to have a good night's sleep, We're probably going to be less irritable throughout the day. We're going to be able to concentrate better. We're going to have more energy. Our relationships are going to be better. You know, we're going to be thinking more clearly. And basically, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like a magic bullet that it's kind of that, that one-stop shop that if you can sleep better, just about every other aspect of your life will improve as well.
0: Yes, for sure. I totally agree with all of your points, Rob. I just think that, you know, as a high school student, sometimes it can be really difficult, or at least I find it, and I think many of my friends find it too, um, find it difficult to prioritize sleep since, you know, we just have so so many things going on. So I was wondering, what would be your tips for making sure people sleep the right number of hours each night?
1: Definitely. And, you know, as someone who has gone through high school and college themselves, I recognize the challenge of that. And I think that part of it is that, you know, for the most part, high school students are set up for failure when it comes to their sleep. The timing, you know, for me, I had to be at school at seven o'clock in the morning that my school started at 7, 10 a.m. So, you know, you think about that, I had to wake up at 6 a.m. I get on the bus at 6 40, you know, didn't have time to eat breakfast or do all these things. There's just kind of this very rushed you know area of my life and at that time most high school kids need more like 10 hours of sleep some 11 some 12 so you know to get 10 hours of sleep to wake up at six o'clock you have to go to bed at 10 and if you have sports and you have homework it's a tough system so you know with that being said it's recognizing that hey you know this is important and for me I would remind my younger self if I could, you know, playing a video game right now probably isn't a better choice than getting some sleep. So I think that if we can make the choice to prioritize our sleep, that's going to make a big difference. And, you know, one thing I always tell my brother and sister who are younger, they're both in college, is like, hey, instead of getting together with your friends at 9 o'clock at night, maybe get together with them at 7 You know, just push things back a little bit earlier because we like to, you know, at that age, we like to get up and start everything late and it's all exciting late at night. So just, you know, if you can, if your friends get together at nine, even get together at eight, you know, just get together a little bit earlier and start shifting things. So you start to go to bed a little bit earlier and allows you to keep that regular cycle. So we're not, you know, going to bed at 2 a.m. on weekends and then going to bed at trying to go to bed at 10 p.m. on a school night.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. I think that would be ideal. (laughs) Um, It's always—I think it's always super hard, but I do think that it does make a difference. Like yesterday, I usually go to bed between twelve thirty and one thirty in the morning, but yesterday I went to bed around eleven, so that was, I guess, a change. And I definitely feel better today, so that is a plus. (laughs) Um, So I was wondering, um, like, what would be your tips for like? I know you kind of talked about like improving your sleep schedule because I know like just making a change from sleeping at two in the morning to like 10 at night is a big change. So like what would be your tips on that? Or do you have any?
1: Yeah, and I'd say for me, I think of sleep starting when we first wake up. So I think it's important to have a good morning routine. So rather than checking your phone right when you wake up, you know, maybe you go for a walk, maybe you do some stretching, some yoga, maybe you go for a run, do some exercise starting off the day with something productive i think is really important so i like to start off my day with sunlight movement and hydration so you think of the fact again if you've been sleeping for 8 9 hours 10 hours your body's very dehydrated you haven't had any water in that time so recognizing when you wake up you're dehydrated so we want to rehydrate the body you want to get sunlight in cuz so that helps set our circadian rhythm which is our natural waking and you know sleeping cycle which again most people it should be between 10pm to 6am kind of that rough range, you know, give or take. So getting sunlight as early as possible then moving the body, you know, we're so sedentary as a society that we want to get up and move. So that's the beginning side. And then on the sleeping side, you know, as we wind down for bed, you know, dimming the lights a couple hours before bed, and the light that we use in the morning to wake us up is also going to be keeping us up at night. So avoiding bright white lights as best as we can in the evening, you know, at least a couple hours before bed, you know, not eating too close to before we go to bed because our body uses a lot of energy with digestion. So, you know, leaving a couple hours of before we go to bed um, to not eat. And then I think doing things that calm us down, you know, not doing high stress activities late at night, trying not to work or stare or to screen very late at night, So I think, again, it comes down to a lot of little things. There's no one answer for anything. It's just kind of using all these little tools and, you know, just playing around with them.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good point. Do you think screen time, like before you go to bed is like as a bad thing?
1: I think it's one of the worst things. So, So there's a lot of reasons why that is. So we can start with the fact that when you're staring narrowly at something, if your eyes are really focused, think of you know our ancestors at a primal setting. If you're staring something narrowly, usually that's because it's a threat. So you're stimulating that you know sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight. Because you know, if there's an enemy in front of you or you're hunting something, you're focused on one thing. And when we're looking at this tiny screen, we're narrowing our focus, and we have light coming back at our eyes, like in the morning. That stimulates our body, that makes us more awake. So that's one aspect of it and the other side is that you know our phones, our computers they have non-native electromagnetic frequencies so we as human beings, plants, animals, we have native electromagnetic frequencies we're from this earth so when we are engaged with non-native electromagnetic frequencies they're actually disrupting our body's ability to communicate with each other and in, in other words putting ourselves back in that stress mode so I like to say, you know, I try to keep my phone <laughs> as far away from me as possible late at night. But again, that's not always possible. So it's just about doing the best you can, you know, being mindful of it, you know, maybe not using it right up before your bed, you know, maybe say All right, 30 minutes before bed, I'm not going to use my phone. And then maybe keep pushing it back to get to about an hour and a half, two hours. But, you know, start small. Don't do anything too crazy. And, you know, just one step at a time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, that's, a good, that's a good tip, too. Um, put away your phone for 30 minutes before you go to bed, because I think that can, that's a good start. Uh, It's really tempting (laughs) to look at your phone before you go to bed or just watch Netflix or something. So um, yeah, that's a really great tip. And I was wondering, do you like, um, what do you like, what do you see as like the correlation between reducing stress and sleep and higher performance and sleep as well?
1: Mm, Great question. So like I said earlier, stress is kind of the Not kind of, it is the root cause of just about every major disease we have in this world right now. So, you think of inflammation, that's a stress related response. You know, heart disease, if your heart is pumping too fast, you have inflammation going on, that's a stress response. So, if we can get our stress levels down, we're going to basically just like sleep, if we improve our stress, that's going to help us sleep better. If we're sleeping better, you know, we have more energy. So, it's kind of this I look at it in a triangle that stress, energy, sleep. So, we want to lower stress. And that will improve our sleep, which will then increase our energy. So, if we're lowering our stress, you know, again, a lot of times we get agitated, we get, you know, something, we feel overwhelmed, we feel anxious, we feel depressed. Those are all, you know, signs of stress. So, if we can recognize that and focus on our breathing, again, one of the six foundation principles, so our breath can really dictate how we live. And so, um, I think it was Lao Tzu or no, Sadhguru says, How you breathe is how you live and how you live is how you breathe. So if you're breathing shallowly into your chest through your mouth, again, that's that stress response. You think of when you're running, you're just shallow pumping to get just air in quick and get yourself, you know, adrenaline pumping. So if we can breathe in slowly through our nose, filling up our belly two thirds, our chest one third, that's activating. The opposite side, which is the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest. So that's where we get ourselves in that calm state. So if we can focus on any time we feel anxious or, you know, just, you know, stressed out. Just taking a breath, you know, three breaths. There's many studies that shown that by taking three deep intentional belly breaths, you can lower your cortisol, which is the primary stress hormone, by up to 80%. So that's a lot. So that doesn't mean, you know, when you go back to that stressful activity, that stress isn't gonna come back, but at least you reset yourself. So anytime I tell people, if you feel stressed, just take a moment and just breathe. And that's the most basic practice, you know, then we can get into meditation, movement, all these different things. But I think breathing, just like sleep, it's free. It's something we do tens of thousands of times per day. So it's probably something that's kind of important.
0: yeah I think that yeah i th- I mean I think that's really helpful too if you're taking a hard test or if you I don't know you have some other stressful activity in your life, just to take a step back and breathe. <laughs> it sounds yeah. super easy, but sometimes it can be really hard in the moment, so Definitely. I think-
1: and I'm glad and- you said that with the test because that's something that I remember in college once I became aware of the breathing, you know everyone else would rush to their test as soon as it began because they were trying to memorize things so they can just go and write them all down. But I was you know, kind of the weird kid to be sitting there just breathing for you know, 30 seconds and getting myself into that calm zone because I recognized both through you know, studies and all that type of stuff, but also my own personal experience that if I didn't rush into the test, if I took the time to just for like 30 seconds and just relax myself because it's stressful when you're taking a test and you know you have a time limit, you're like, oh, I don't want to run out of time. But if you can get yourself into that calm zone, now you're thinking more clearly. And then I ended up finishing my touch first because I was calm and I wasn't stressing out. So I always invite people, you know, the next time you take a test or have a tough conversation or have to do a presentation, take take a few breaths and just slow yourself down and recognize it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna do great. I know what I'm doing. You know, just kind of reminding yourself and recognizing that you know, this little stress response of the test, it's not a lion, it's not trying to eat you, it's just a <laughs> test. So let's just relax, it's going to be okay, and take a few breaths.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's a great strategy. I think, yeah, like you said, I feel like everyone just wants to, like, I guess, rush as much as they can on these tests, because they're but then when you, like, step back and you breathe, it could help you even more. <laughs> Definitely. With the stress. Um, so I love that. I was wondering so I know you kind of talked about breathing how do the other um, pillars relate to
1: sleep Totally so let's let's start with moving so if you're moving a lot then you're getting enough exercise or just movement in general you know movement doesn't always have to mean exercise movement could be you know doing tai chi which is basically breathing slowly with movements it could be going for a walk it could be exercise it could be you know strength training running swimming rock climbing but if we're moving a lot during the day, it's gonna be a lot easier for our body to relax at night because we've gotten our energy out. Again, we've burned through that stress by moving through it. So just like we can move through that stress through breathing, we can move through our stress through movement as well. So another thing on the you know other side, rather than you know, exercise is yoga or stretching. If your body is relaxed and your muscles are not tight, it's gonna be a lot easier to fall asleep and I find a comfortable position and so you know most of us it's best for again most people to sleep on their back or their left side and the left side is because the way that your organs go you can actually kind of slow down your digestion if you lay on your right side so it's best to lay on your left side if you're going to lay on your side but recognizing the more we move the more we're getting things going and then the more tired we're going to be physically at the end of the day to get a deeper sort of sleep so that's moving And then, if we go into thinking, and thinking is something that I've really been diving into a lot lately with the topic of mindset, you know, how our thoughts affect everything, which they do affect everything. Because if you go to a test and say, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I don't know this, yeah, you're right, you're not gonna do well on the test. You probably are gonna get a bad grade. But if you go into it thinking, hey, you know, I studied for this, I know these answers, I'm gonna do great. That's a completely different mindset to go into something. Or if you're having a tough conversation, let's say with a, a friend, a partner, a loved one, they do all these things wrong. I can't believe they did this. Or if you're thinking, yeah. you know, wh- where did I mess up? You know, what is my part in this? You know, how can we make this right? Not say, oh, how am I going to tell them they're wrong? How can we make this right? Different thoughts or thoughts completely dictate our life. So if we can have positive thoughts, we're not going to be laying in bed with all these negative thoughts going around our head. We can recognize, hey, know, I like to do a gratitude practice. I'll write in my journal some things I'm grateful for to get my mindset right if I'm having trouble falling asleep. So that's moving and thinking. We already kind of touched on breathing. So again, getting ourselves into that deep breathing before bed can be very helpful to relax the body. Then we have nutrition. So nutrition, most of the foods that we're eating now, and again, this is coming from someone who studied sustainable food and farming in my undergraduate degree, our food systems are so destroyed and our foods have actually become a stressor. If you're eating non-organic food, you know, there's a lot of chemicals in there. So our body is actually using a lot of energy it's causing stress to break down these chemicals, which usually can't even break down. And now the food which is supposed to nourish us is actually causing stress in the body. So if we can fuel our body with proper nutrition, that's gonna help us to, again, get into that relaxed state and recover and actually repair overnight rather than trying to get rid of toxins over the night. So yeah,
0: I had a question about that. So I think like I was looking on your website that you focus on superfood nutrition a lot. And I was wondering, is there like a certain type of food that helps you sleep better or maximize your sleep at night?
1: Yes, great question. So I'd say that one of the most common nutritional deficiencies is magnesium. So most of our soils have no magnesium anymore. They've been farmed out through our conventional farming. And so that means that the soil doesn't have them, the, the plants can't absorb them either. So most of our foods are, I think it's 85% of the population is deficient in magnesium. So, and we wanna make sure we're getting high quality magnesium. There's seven forms of magnesium. So this is one group I work with um, called BioOptimizers, and they have all seven forms of magnesium plus the two cofactors that help you absorb it. So if we can have magnesium, that helps us you know, repair it. It's responsible for over 300 different um, ends or, uh, processes in the body. So magnesium is a good one. Cherry juice, tart cherry juice, it has natural melatonin, it's an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. So there's a whole different list of other ones that I could go into, but I'd say those are my two favorites. I think that they're the most noticeable. Um, but yeah, nutrition definitely makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, wait, what type of foods like have magnesium? <laughs> Sorry. I don't Yeah, totally.
1: So I'd say leafy greens have magnesium, but again, it depends on where you're getting them from because if the soil that they're grown in, I think that's one thing that we can say, oh, you know, lettuce has these different, you know, vitamins and minerals, but depending on the soil it grew in, it may not have those. So I think it's important to one, go organic first of all. Two, you know, if you can get local foods from a local farmer and you know that hey, they're, you know really using good soil, they're using good farming processes, you're going to have a much more likelihood of having a lot of these vitamins and minerals. So I think it's, uh, you know, in an ideal world, we don't need supplements. But in the, in the current world we live in, many of us do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's cool.
1: cool. So yeah, so then moving on to hydration. Um, and that's the last one here. So kind of like I talked about, if you're sleeping for eight, nine, 10 hours, your body is extremely dehydrated when you wake up. So if we can learn to hydrate when we first wake up, and I like to front load my hydration, so I have you know three glasses of water when I first wake up, get a lot of water in me right off the bat. So that way, by the end of the day, I'm not drinking a lot of water right before bed, because you know the things that wake me up are usually having to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night or noise. So if we can you know really drink our water throughout the day and not be drinking it again, kind of same thing with the you know the screens, avoiding drinking liquids a couple hours before bed you know everyone's bladders differently everyone absorbs things differently so maybe an hour for you but you know i find for me like an hour and a half before bed is good to start avoiding drinking liquids so so i'd say you're really hydrating throughout the day and again make sure we're getting quality water preferably spring water um you know if you can get a good filter that's also a good bonus like a berkey filter is really good Uh, but i think just making sure that we're getting high quality fuel into our body is going to help us sleep, recover, have a lot more energy and just be a lot more, you know, a lot more enjoyable to be around.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's great. And I think that um, I also think that um, I think it'll help you like get into, a, like, I guess, like a deeper sleep if right. you do those types of things. So I don't know if you know about like, do you know about more about like deep sleep and how to like maximize that?
1: Yeah, so I have an aura ring, um, which basically is tracking my, you know, a lot of different things. But I use it mostly for tracking my sleep. So I can see what percentage of the time I was in light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, and how often I wake up. So, again, kind of comes down to all these preparations before bed. So if we're, you know, in that stress mode, yeah, we may kind of pass out and then get into that light sleep. But if we're really relaxing ourselves before bed, that's when we're going to get into that deep sleep a lot easier. And I notice, through tracking with my Aura Ring is that my deepest sleep is usually between 12 a.m., so midnight to 2 a.m. And so there's a lot of reasons for that. So, you know, the physical reparation for most people in studies is between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then mental repairing is between 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. So again, that may be slightly different depending on the person, but for the most part, that's kind of what they found in a lot of the research. So if we're thinking about because your body wants to recover physically first. So you know, if you're in survival mode, it doesn't care if you got some, you know, head stuff going on. It makes wants to make sure you can run, fight, or survive. So it focuses on physical repairing first. So if we can get that 10 to 2 window, our body is usually going to recover better. That two to six window, our mind is going to recover better. So I think if we can get in that window of 10 to six, and again, it may be, you know, nine to six for someone or 11 to seven for someone kind of just, you know, play around with the parameters. But generally speaking, you know, within a couple hours, we want to be aiming for that 10 to six window.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, I think that's super cool. i um, transitioning back to like the superfood thing, because I was kind of interested in that. Um, like what um, how do you find products that you promote on your page and with whole health connections?
1: Yeah. So for me, it, it came down to trying a lot of things and noticing how my body feels and also researching the companies. Um, one of the, my favorite groups I work with is called Purium Health Products. And so they're going plastic free this year. In 2021, they're going to be one of the first companies of their size um, to be going plastic free. So I look at, you know, what is their contribution? What is their vision? What is their mission? What are they looking to accomplish in this world? And for them, going plastic free um, and the owner and founder, Dave Sandoval, his mission is to end human suffering. So he grew up homeless um, as a young child. So he saw human suffering at a very high level. And so his goal is to basically, you know, end human suffering. And that's both by healing the planet by going plastic free not using these things that are destroying our ecosystems but also giving high quality fuel to people and also giving a business model to people that they can you know make money because money is important we all need money to put food on our table right now so Mm -hmm. i look at the mission the vision of the companies i look at the owners the founders of this you know what their character is and i look at their practices and how they you know the research they do how they create the, the superfoods, the supplements and all that. So I look at a lot of different factors, but for the most part, it comes down to, are their vision and mission aligned with my values? Like if someone were to say, you know, do you believe in what they're doing? I will instantly say yes. If I have any sort of hesitation, you know, ah, well, I like that they do this, that, I, but I don't know. That's not who I want to associate myself with. So I look for people that have similar missions and values to me and um, have really, you know, what I find to be the best products that help me, my friends, my family, and any clients I'm working with.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. Um, I, yeah, I guess I was just curious because like, I think it's super hard sometimes to like figure out what food in the market is the best for your wellness, because, you know, I feel like a lot of like the marketing and things like that can get a little bit challenging and confusing. So I, yeah, I applaud you for that, because I think it's r- super cool, the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. And, and again, as I said earlier, in an ideal world, we don't need any products or any supplements. But until we can get our agriculture, our, you know, our farming back to a level that it's really nourishing us rather than depleting us, you know, we do need a, a lot of us need supplementation and you know, just a little extra bonus. And even if we don't need it to survive, you know, if we want to thrive instead of survive, you know, it's nice to have those things. So I always tell people in an ideal world, if you can grow whatever you can grow your own food, um, you know, support local organic farmers, I think that's the best thing that we can do, you know, farmers market, uh, CSAs, which are basically farm shares, you get a, you know, a weekly or monthly delivery of local goods. Um, so I think it comes down to supporting your local farmers, you know, growing your own food impossible. And then, you know, also utilizing, supplementation because I, th- I think when used correctly, it can be a very productive option.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And also, I think, especially now, it's like super important to support those people because, you know, I think with the pandemic, it's always like it's hard. Um, right. So I think that's important. And then um, I had two more questions for you. And one of them was like, what are tangible ways that we can improve our sleep schedule? I know you kind of touched on that, but you have like three tangible things that people can take away.
1: Yeah, so I think the first on the top of my head is setting up your sleep environment to be conducive to sleep. So if you have windows, which I hopefully you have windows in your room, (laughs) getting curtains, preferably blackout curtains, like you want to make it as dark as possible. Because again, I always like to think, all right, if I was in nature, how would this look? You know, we're not going to have streetlights beaming in and we're not going to have you know all these different lights we're not going to have the little blue light from our uh you know our tv or our laptop in in our face if we're on nature so getting the room as dark as possible i think is step one and like i said with the electromagnetic frequencies earlier getting as many electronics out of our room as possible is best turning your phone on airplane mode at night that helps stop you know the wi-fi radiation coming in you know the LTE, the 4G, 5G, all these signals that are, again, disrupting the body. So turning the phone off or in airplane mode, getting as many electronics out of the bedroom while you're sleeping as possible. And I think also utilizing your bedroom as a place to sleep. You know, if you can work outside of your bedroom, that's preferable because we want to associate our bedroom with a place that is sleeping, not a place that we're working and getting, you know, getting our mind all charged up. We want to think of it as a place that Calms us and relaxes us. So, I know that's not always an option for everybody, but you know, if you can work in your living room, family room, or like just somewhere else, sometimes, you know, again, it's nothing major, but just doing little things here and there. Um, and I think just following the six foundation principles is, you know, really taking the time to slow down, to breathe, set some morning and evening routines, um, and just don't take life too seriously because it's supposed to be fun, it's not supposed to be stressful
0: yeah (laughs) i agree with you i think that's great and i also think so um like with the stay at home school and stuff i think it can be hard not to be like doing work in your room so if you can try like moving to different rooms and stuff that's super helpful to also like making making you more motivated to do the work so yeah (laughs) yeah i had one more question um i was wondering what are your general wellness tips um for other people or like your normal coaching advice that you get?
1: Yeah. So I think the the most basic things, again, I always go back to the six foundation principles, but I think that I'm thinking about my ro- most recent client I started working with and her goal was to lose weight. And so I tell people, you know, walk more as in move more, but that doesn't mean exercise more. So move more being doing more walking. Most of us don't walk enough doing some, you know, as I said earlier, maybe some Tai Chi, which is basically slow breathing with movements, you know, doing some yoga, some stretching, things that are moving, but not so focused on just like pushing the body as hard as we can. So getting ourselves through movement into that parasympathetic, that rest and digest state. So moving more, I think is number one. Number two is improving our hydration. As I mentioned earlier, you know, most of us are drinking tap water, which has a whole host of things that we don't want going into our body. So drinking high quality water, we're made up of about 95% water by ourselves. So it's like 70% by weight and like 95% by our ourselves. So again, water is pretty important. We're water beings. So if we can put better water into our, our body, more high quality water, our whole life will change very quickly. You know, Acne will clear up, energy will improve, sleep will improve, you know, uh, performance and sports will improve. So hydration and movement. And then the other one is breathing. I'd say those are kind of the big three is and a lot of times by moving, you will end up breathing more and breathing more intentionally. So I think that, again, it doesn't have to be anything too crazy. And I try to keep it simple because I think it's very easy to overcomplicate things in the world of health that it doesn't need to be. And that's why it's overwhelming for people to make a change because I think they do all like start doing CrossFit and they have to start doing all these crazy things, which are all great tools, but not the best tools for everyone. So if we can just move more mindfully, you know, breathe more mindfully and drink more water, that's really good quality. You're going to be a lot healthier and happier.
0: Yeah, and you can keep it super simple. You don't have to really do that much. You just make simple and small changes to your routine.
1: Right, and those things are basically free. And that's what I like to start with. You know, again, the superfoods and the products are great, but not everybody has the financial, you know, ability to buy those. So I say let's start with free things. Moving is free. You don't need a gym to walk. You don't need a gym to, you know, do yoga or Tai Chi in your room. You don't need a whole heck of a lot of money to find some good quality spring water. Or yeah, maybe you get a one-time investment of a really good filter and breathing is free. So, you know, keep it simple. You don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just keep it simple and use what your body's giving you.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much, Bob, for joining the podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course.